0: Well, this morning, I'm going to talk to you about uh, a topic we're all familiar with. I'm going to talk to you about love. I'm going to tell you something. As a New Mexican, I absolutely love green chili. And if you're a good New Mexican and a good Baptist, you also love (laughs) green chili. So a lot of people will ask me, hey, are you from here Toronto? I'm like, no, my my parents moved me out here in the seventies. I said, but I've eaten enough green chili to qualify as a native at this point. And so it's true, I have a real passion for green chili. I'm on a, a keto carnivore diet, so I eat very few green things here right now. And, uh, but the, what happens is I get overwhelmed with this desire, this passion to go find something with green chili in it, right? And so I have this love and this affection for green chili. The world has a lot of definitions of things they love, right? And a lot of different types of love that they express. And in this day and age, they're redefining what love looks like, right? Uh, Love in marriages, love between sexes, lots of changes, lots of redefining of love. And they always are also defining how love is expressed in different ways. Uh, You know, uh, if you love somebody, you'll get them uh, roses at Valentine's Day. Or uh, remember the slogan, diamonds are forever. If you really want to show somebody you love them, you're going to get them a diamond, And so, again, the world is always trying to express to us what love looks like. And uh, uh, one of the things that we need to think about is what does love look like from Jesus's perspective? Not from our perspective, not from the world's perspective, but from his perspective. And today I want to delve into a little bit about what love looks like from the perspective of Jesus. So a lot of people claim to be Christians and they claim to love Jesus. But what we have to ask ourselves, does the, does our lifestyle match up with that reality? So I'm going to read from John chapter 14, where Jesus deals with what love looks like from his perspective. And we're going to start in verse 26. And it says in John chapter 14, verse 20, on that day, you will know that I am in my father and you are in me and I, in you, the one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will reveal myself to him. Verse 22 says, Judas, not a scared, said to him, Lord, what has happened that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will follow my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. The one who does not love me does not follow my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while remaining with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all that I have said to you. So before we start delving into what Jesus defines as love from his perspective, I want to touch on some things that he doesn't say about love from his perspective there's some things that uh, he says uh, that he absolutely does not say, but they're very prevalent in our society. And uh, we don't have to guess uh, about what Jesus thinks love looks like. We don't have to guess about uh, whether or not Jesus loves us. We, we know from scripture and from what he's done that he loves us. No greater love has any man than this than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus expressed to us great love, right? It's a, a love demonstrated clearly for us. But we have to ask ourselves, what does loving Jesus look like? And we don't have to guess. Three times in John 14, Jesus defines for us what true love to him or for him really does look like. But here's what it does not include, this definition that Jesus gives us. First of all, it's not based on emotions or feelings. It's not based on emotions or feelings. You know, in our society, we, we say, I don't feel like I'm in love anymore with this person, or uh, I don't feel lovable. And, and we we look at Love through a criteria of our emotion, our feelings, but that is not how Jesus described uh, loving Him. It is not about how we feel. Now, of course, if we love somebody, emotions will follow, but it is it is a, a, a not the active agent in love as per what Jesus describes here. So, it's not about our emotions or our feelings. Because I'm going to just tell you sometimes, I've been married a long time, and I can, I can say sometimes you don't feel like you're in love, right? But the reality is I love my wife deeply, right? And sometimes my children drive me crazy and I don't feel very uh, loving towards them because they're driving me nuts with sometimes the choices they make or the directions they go. But the reality is I love my children deeply, but I don't feel the emotion all the time active in my life. Emotions come and go with the situations and circumstances of our life, and they're unreliable. They're unreliable as a clear, definitive uh, descriptor of what love looks like. And so our emotions uh, can get us into trouble if we think that we love God based on our feelings for Him, right? And then the next thing that Jesus didn't mention in his description of love is this it's not demonstrated by a lot of words or expressions. You know, again, uh, in our society, uh, we have Hallmark cards, right? To express our love with words and uh, you know have you ever gotten a card from somebody who uh, doesn't treat you very well but they gave you this nice card do you feel an expression of love from that card when the reality of their actions don't match up with the words of the card or have you ever been in a relationship where someone is always telling you to love they love you but they don't treat you like somebody they love so words are not a good again uh test for an actual love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lots of people claim to love Jesus. Lots of people claim to love Jesus. But does that match up with how Jesus defined what love looks like? And so again, it's not about our words. It's not about our harm, our, our hallmark kind of love for Jesus. Here's something else that Jesus didn't say. It's not love for him, a real love for him is not found in just good intentions. So sometimes we have the intentions of, well, I'm gonna do more for God. I'm gonna love God more. I'm gonna get involved more. I'm gonna do this. And you know, God knows, he knows my heart. He knows what's going on in my life. And, and I have good intentions towards uh, my affections for God. And so God recognizes that. Look, when it comes to love for Jesus, you gotta put your money where your mouth is, right? And again, it's about to not what we say, it's about what we do when we demonstrate our love for Jesus Christ and in scripture, we're going to see that here in a few minutes. So again, it's not about good intentions. A lot of people discount or dismiss, uh, God's desire to have a relationship with him and, and the love that he wants to have in that relationship based on his terms by again, uh, putting in their own versions of what they want to do and how they want to do it. Uh, but Jesus is very clear. It's not about your good intentions wishful thinking kind of love. Here's the other thing that Jesus didn't give us the freedom to do when it comes to loving him. He didn't give us the freedom to define what loving him looks like. He didn't give us the freedom to define what loving him looks like. See, lots of us like to say, well, this is how I'm going to love Jesus. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to give so much money to the church. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pray. I'm going to do this. I'm... Whatever. We, we say, this is what I think love looks like for God. This is what I think love looks like to Jesus. And Jesus is going to have to take my love or leave it kind of mindset. Now, we may not say that, but our actions and our mindset depict that truth in our life, that we are defining to Jesus how we're going to love him. And Jesus didn't give us the freedom to define how we're going to love him. And so let me give you an Old Testament example of, you know, loving and worshiping God. And I've used this in my sensual class a lot. So you guys, you get a repeat. Sorry, it's going to happen sometimes. So there's two brothers in the Old Testament, Cain and Abel, and God had instituted blood sacrifice. And and he said that, you know, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And the shedding of that lamb's blood was a picture of things to come. And he instituted that again uh, as a way to worship him. And so you got two brothers. One's a shepherd. One's a farmer. The shepherd says, "Uh, yep, I'm going to sacrifice this sheep. I'm going to do it according to how God has said, and I'm going to worship God. The farmer said, you know what? I'm not a shepherd. I don't like sheep. I am a farmer. I have a lot of produce in my crop. I'm going to worship God through sacrificing from my crops, and uh, that's how I'm going to worship God. So you got two guys claiming to have a relationship with God through the avenue of worship, right? You have two guys that are claiming worship to God, relationship with God through that avenue. But here's the reality of that situation. One of them did it according to the way God said worship, what worship looks like, and the other one did it the way he wanted to. So in the end, you had one guy's worship that was accepted. And you had one guy's worship that was rejected. And so in the New Testament, when we move into loving Jesus, we we don't want to be guilty of being in that same vein where we are dictating to Jesus how we're going to love him, how much we're going to love him, when we're going to love him, where we're going to love him. We don't want to be like that. We need to recognize that Jesus didn't give us the freedom to dictate to him what love to him looks like. He's defined it for us very clearly throughout Scripture, but especially in this text. Jesus defines for every believer who claims to love Jesus how to love him in a way that is acceptable to him, in a way that he recognizes it as true love for him. And so again, we don't have that freedom To define what love looks like. So then we ask ourselves, do we have a real love for Jesus according to what Jesus has said? And does my love, is it something that Jesus recognizes as love that I'm offering up to him? Is it a love that he uh, again uh, is looking for from me? You know, sometimes when you're trying to love somebody, not everybody's the same and how you love this person might be different than how you love this person because this person's needs are a little different and this person has a different need in their life. And, and to express love into their life, uh, you know, I have to match up and align up with the needs in that person's life. And I can't love this person the same as this person because their needs are different and they don't recognize what I do over here as love for this person is love for them because it's not a need in their life. It's not a desire in their life. And Jesus is no different than that. Jesus has, again, demonstrated to us what his love for us looks like. And he has informed us of what our love for him should look like. And so, again, do we have a real love for Jesus? In our minds, maybe yes. But does Jesus, how does Jesus view our love? We want to ask ourselves. So he tells us in our text here. And it's very clear. And it's very simple. To Jesus, a life marked by obedience equals love. A life marked by obedience equals love. Now, in our own lives, we even feel that, that mindset a little bit ourselves. When your kids say, I love you, pops, but then they go out and do the opposite of what you just said, let me ask you, do you feel loved? How <laughs> you feel like those rascals? And, and so again to Jesus, obedience equals love. You know, uh, there's nothing that's going on in our life that God has not put into our life that isn't for our good. All things work together for good. The science school class hears that one all the time too. All things work together for good in the life of a believer. And God is again, doing things for us. And so that are for our benefit and for our good. And if he's doing that, then doesn't it stand to reason that the best thing, even from a non-love perspective, would be to obey what God has said because he is orchestrating our life for our good? But it's more deeper than that because our relationship with God is what we're talking about here. not here, not Not just obeying God to get the good things from God, right? Because he has planned all things for us to be good. But because we want to reciprocate the love back to him that he's given to us. That greater love that, that, no, that no other person has that where he laid down his life. For God so loved the world, right? We, we know the expression of his love in our life. And we want to uh, not just have that be a one-sided relationship, do we? we? We want to love Jesus back, don't we? Because of that great love that he has for us. And so, again, we obey him not to earn our salvation, not not to gain his merit or favor. He loved us when we were dead in our trespasses and sin. And and he he died for us when we were ungodly and unlovable. But he loved us in spite of that. And so, again, it's not about earning his love. It's about reciprocating his love. It's about loving him back because he loved us. We love him, Paul said, because he first loved us, right? Right? And so it's about how do we reflect back to God a love for him in the way that he has expressed a love to us and reciprocate that love and it's through obedience. So let me just remind you what the verses said because Jesus made it pretty clear in verse 21. He says this, the one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Pretty clear, Right the one who has my commandments. So in other words, we're paying attention to what he says and we're paying attention to what he wants. And not only are we paying attention to it and do we know about it, we are following through and acting on it because we love him. We don't just read it and forget it or we don't just hear it and forget it. We hear it and because of love for him, we acknowledge it and how we acknowledge it is by following what he has asked us to do. Throughout scripture, we're told to follow. We're told to, again, be uh, doers of the word and not hearers only, which I'll bring up again in a few minutes. We're, we're told to take up our cross and follow him. And it's, all of those illustrations are about us demonstrating to God our love for him and how we live. You can tell God that you love him all the time, but God is looking at how you live. Remember, he looks on the heart's, on the heart and intent of the heart right he's not looking on the outward appearance he's looking on the inside and so again God is looking how that expression of your love is and so in the next verse he says this in verse 23 Jesus answered and said to him if anyone loves me he will he will follow My word. So again, when we're loving God correctly, it changes our actions and it changes our direction. We are following the path that God lays out for us. We are no longer putting ourselves in the direction of our life. We are no longer looking uh, uh, for what makes us feel good and and makes us feel loved. But we're looking at following the direction that makes God feel loved. We're expressing back to Him in a way that He understands and a way that He demands. What love really looks like. And so again, love to Jesus is marked by a life of obedience. So remember Peter, three times Jesus asked Peter, Peter, lovest thou me? Then Peter said, of course, you know, Lord, I do. And he said, then feed my sheep. And he asked him it again a second time. And he asked the question again a third time. And what he was trying to get out of Peter is very simple. Peter, are you going to love me enough to do what I've commanded you to do? Are you going to go and feed my sheep? Are you going to do my will? Are you going to love me enough to take and put your life in second place and put me at uh, at the first place of your affections and of your actions and of your life? Peter, do you love me? And believers today have to ask themselves that same question. Do we love Jesus in such a way that we order our life that demonstrates love to him in the way that he wants us to love? We don't always do that, do we? But that is the goal. So remember Peter. Here's one of the things that we need to recognize. Obedience always has always been, it's not just a New Testament thing. Obedience has always been the priority in a true relationship with God. This is not up, uh, all of this is not in the notes, but here's this. Remember Saul and the Amalekites in 1 Samuel 15, where God told Saul to go in and destroy them utterly, to, to kill everything, to wipe them from the face of the earth. And Saul brought back uh, the king, and he brought back some of the princes, uh, princes, and he brought back cattle and sheep, and he bought, brought 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 back the spoil of that war instead of utterly destroying them. And Samuel shows up on this theme, and he's like, "What is this I hear in my ears? The bleeding of sheep?" And and he's like, "Well, you know, the people made me do it, and and uh, you know, you know, we we wanted to sacrifice to God this prime stuff that we took from them, and and he made all kinds of excuses. And here's what Samuel said, does the Lord have as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than a sacrifice and to pay attention is better than the fat of rams. And so, again, this is not a new thing that God is looking for his people to obey him as an expression of a love relationship with him. And so, again, he doesn't uh, it has not changed. So if a love marked by obedience defines uh, what love looks like to Jesus, that stands to reason that a life marked by disobedience defines those who do not truly love Jesus. Sometimes we kid ourselves. We say we love Jesus, but our life clearly is in contrast and contrary to God's will. Or if it's not our life as a whole, it may be our life in parts and pieces it does not match up with what God's will is for us. And so we say we love Jesus and we kind of him haul around about some of the things that we don't want to give to Jesus or uh, follow Jesus or obey Jesus. And so we do this hybrid love in our mind where, you know, yeah, I love Jesus and I go to church and I do this and this and this, but this area of my life is, that's off off-lim- that's limits to Jesus. That's my, you know, that's for me. And I'm not giving that up, or we may not say that, but subconsciously our actions demonstrate that because we're not all in, in this relationship with Jesus. We're just partway in the relationship. We kind of just want to, you know, get the benefit of having a love relationship with Jesus on this side, but then still do our own thing over here and have our carnal pleasures and enjoyments and have our will and have our way. And so we don't, We don't really go all in in this relationship with Jesus, but Jesus is pretty clear about what that looks like. A life marked by disobedience defines those who do not truly love Jesus. Verse 24 says this, the one who does not love me does not follow my words. So the thing I love about this passage is it's pretty black and white. You know, Christians like to say there's gray areas in the Bible, and I've mentioned this before too, there are no gray areas in the Bible. It's pretty clear that if we want to love Jesus that we need to follow him and obey his commandments. And it's pretty clear that if we're not doing that, we don't have much of a love for the Lord Jesus Christ according to him. Not according to my opinion or the Baptist theology or anybody else, but according to Jesus, it's pretty clear. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will follow what I have said. And if you don't love me, you won't. Now, I want you to think about that. It didn't come from any other body, but the source of the person that we claim to love, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where those words came from. That's what Jesus said about love to his people, to his children, to those who say that they love him. And so we have to investigate and be honest with ourselves about our level of love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the great thing. Love grows, right? So maybe in the beginning of our relationship with Jesus, our love is a little stymied because, you know, we're still wrapped up in the world and we still have a lot of things to shed and things that don't belong. And, and we're not where we need to be yet, but we're headed in the right direction. And, and we're going to move forward in our love relationship with God because we love him. We know he loves us. And as believers, we're drawn into that relationship with him. And we want to love him more, right? You can't be a Christian and not want to love Jesus more it's an impossibility. If you don't want to love Jesus more, then you need to backtrack on your faith and on your profession and find out, did you really place your faith and profess Christ and have you repented and are, or have you done the things that build the relationship and start the relationship with him? Because you can't have a relationship before that point with the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you have done those things, then there will be a desire there will be a desire to love god and to love the things that god loves because we are the new na- we have that new nature in christ jesus we're no longer living as ourselves we're now living with christ within us right and so again there's this nature that changes from loving ourselves and loving the world to loving god and so again here's the last thing we want to focus on obedience is the love language for Jesus. It is the key to getting to know more of Jesus. Obedience is the love language for Jesus, and it is the key to getting to know more of Jesus. Verse 21 says this, The one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, now get this last part, And will reveal myself to him. If we want to draw closer to God, if we want to have more of Jesus in our life, it doesn't come from some emotional expression of love for Jesus. It comes from obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. See, many times we forget, we we call him our Savior, but he is our Lord and Savior. His clear title is Lord and Savior. Right? And we forget the Lord part. And we want to hang on to the, the Jesus who died on the cross and loves me so much. But we don't want to hang on to the Jesus who is the Lord of our life. And we've got to think about both of those things as we move forward in our Christian walk. Our Christian walk can't pull the one out and neglect the other. The Christian walk has got to focus in on the reality of who Jesus is. And the reality of what Jesus says about how to love him and how to live with him. But here's the deal. If we get it right, if we say, Lord, I'm going to yield to your will because I love you, then what happens? We get more of Jesus in our life. We draw closer to him. We have a closer knit relationship. It's like any other love relationship. The more we invest in any relationship with anybody, the greater the love grows for them, right? The greater the bond grows between us and someone else when we invest in that relationship in a way that makes it healthy and makes it grow. And it's the same for us as believers. If we invest in our relationship with Jesus, it will flourish. It will become what everything that it should be and could be because Jesus is not going to fail on his end to reciprocate the love that we express to him. And he has made a commitment that if we will obey him and love him correctly that we will have more of him in our life. And who doesn't need some more of Jesus? Right? And so the other thing that he said is this. It's, again, the key to living in a a close relationship with Jesus is found in verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will follow my word, and my father will love him, and we will come... And make our dwelling with him. So you want to be in the presence of God? You want to be in the presence of Jesus? Then demonstrate real love to God. Because he's waiting. It's just like the story of the prodigal son, right? You had a father that was waiting for the son to do the right thing and come home. And take his rightful place and do the right thing. Where he could then demonstrate his love into the life of the son to the fullest. Because the, the son was at home where he belonged. With the father. And it's the same thing. God is looking for us to come to him in obedience. And that opens the door for God to, again, embrace us. Because we are where we belong in the relationship with him. And he is in our presence. And we get more of the presence of Jesus in our life when we obey him. Here's the reality of being a fallen man who's been saved by grace. It's not easy to love Jesus correctly, is it? It's not always easy to demonstrate obedience to him in our walk as we go through life. But you know what? Because Jesus loves us so much, he knows that. And because he knows that, he does for us something that we cannot, cannot do. Love demonstrated through obedience is not always easy in Jesus knew that we would struggle he knew that we would struggle so here's what he says in verse 25 he says this these things i have spoken to you while remaining with you but the helper the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and he will remind you of all that i said to you see that's the thing that god understands and knows that while we love him, we have a sinful nature and we struggle to love him correctly. So he defined it for us so that we clearly understand it. And then he gave us the support that we need that we might be able to live it out and do it. Because in our own sinful nature, we can't love God correctly. We will always default to loving ourselves more than loving God, which is the nature of sin, right? But he knows that we have that struggle. So, He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit that comes into our life and enables us to live a godly life. He said He's given us everything that pertains to holiness and godliness. And so, God empowers us and enables us through His Spirit, through His presence. The presence of His, well, think of it this way the Holy Spirit is an expression of the presence of God's love in your life. The Holy Spirit is the expression of the presence of God's love in your life because He's giving you the Holy Spirit to be able to have relationship with him, to empower you where you are weak and where you struggle, where we have difficulty overcoming uh, the things in this world and in this life and, and the sin that is there, the Holy Spirit is there to help us, to remind us of what Jesus has said, to remind us of what it is that we need to do and to help give us direction in our life. So God loves us so much that he helps us love him back. Isn't that an amazing thing? It's really an amazing thing. So as we draw to a close today, it's good for us to sometimes have a gut check about what is going on in our spiritual walk because sometimes we get it into a point where we go into autopilot and we think everything's good, but it's good to look back and say, okay, what does God say about what I'm doing and how my life is going? And, and does it match up with what his will is for me? And that's my challenge to every believer here today is to, to check out your level of love for Jesus according to what Jesus has said. Now, if you've never began a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, today would be a good day to experience the love of Jesus in your life. I'm gonna tell you, there's nothing like it. So as we stand together and we go to prayer, I don't know the need of your life, but I tell you this, we could all love Jesus more. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for your word. We're thankful, Lord, that you give us clarity about what love looks like. Lord, help us to love you correctly and obey you in the way that we should. May we discard the things in life that distract us from loving you, and and more, Lord, may we place into our life the things, your word and your will, that help us love you the most. Lord, we'll thank you for it, and we ask this in your name. Amen.